everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Monday, September 13th, and today is Mailbox Monday. I'm going to spend the rest of today's episode answering your questions, and you guys are in for a treat because my friend Steve Lambert is here to help me dive into your questions. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Are you weary? I hear that word everywhere I go these days. People are weary from the pandemic, weary from what's happening in our schools, weary from what's happening in our state capital, and perhaps most of all, people are weary from the feckless leadership in Washington, D.C. But I've got good news for you guys. My name is Heidi St. John, and I'm running for Congress in Washington's 3rd Congressional District. I need your support so I can be your voice in Washington, D.C., and together we can bring sanity and hope back to this weary land. To join my team, please visit me online, HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. So thanks for tuning in today, you guys. A couple of things uh, going before we get really into the meat of it today. I want you guys to make sure that you check my calendar so that you can see where I am speaking and what's going on with my run for the U.S. House of Representatives. We really appreciate your prayers. Also wanted to let you know that today is the first day of classes happening at the Homeschool Resource Center. I know a lot of you have been watching the journey that we have been on over here at the center for quite some time, and uh, the Lord's just doing an amazing thing. So as we continue just to watch the world really just on fire, and I'm going to be talking to Steve about that in just a minute, you know, we got vaccine mandates now and all kinds of silliness happening. Really, I think the Lord is using the homeschool movement in a lot of ways to save America because these are free thinking individuals. Their parents have made the really difficult jump to pull their kids out of the public school system and do the thing they thought they could never do. And in the midst of all the craziness and insanity that's happening, the homeschool movement is actually providing hope. So as I was looking at your questions today and trying to decide, you know, which ones to answer first and all the things, I thought there's really nobody better that I can think of to come on the show and offer you guys some hope and encouragement than my friend of many, many years, uh, Steve Lambert. Steve, my friend, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you, Heidi. It's always fun to be with you. So you and I talk almost daily, you and me and, and Jane on our kind of morning phone calls and, you know, what's it like over there in Missouri? What's on fire in Missouri? What's on fire in Washington? You know, uh, talking about all the things. But more recently than not, we've been talking about the importance of the homeschool movement and really the answer and the hope that homeschooling is providing to a lot of parents. And I know that you and I have been, I mean, for years and years involved in homeschooling. How when you guys started in the 80s, right? Almost in the 70s. We started in 1981. So probably at least two thirds of your listeners probably weren't even born when Jane and I began our homeschooling journey 40 years ago. Wow. And I would imagine in 1981, homeschooling, it wasn't mainstream. People were just like, what do you guys, you know, you hiding your kids from the from uh, Social Security? Are you growing your own weed? I mean, what was that like when you decided to do that? Yeah, it was nuts. We didn't actually know any other homeschoolers at the time. We'd never met one, and I didn't even know it was legal, to be honest, and Jane heard about it somewhere and approached me. But yeah, we at one point had that uh, dreaded knock on our door from Department of Family Services. We had to hire an attorney to defend our decision, um, and so it, it was a different time. Thank the Lord that homeschooling today is a mainstream option that more than 10% of American children are involved in homeschooling now. And 
the rights to homeschool are well established in all 50 states, and we have uh, a solid 40-year-plus track record of evidence um, for new homeschoolers to indicate that this is a sane, in fact, uh, uh, an excellent academic choice, but more importantly, a wonderful social choice for children of all types, ages, and uh, different personalities. Yeah, and I think it's, I actually love, I mean, you and Zan Tyler have this in common, right? I mean, Zan had the the uh, the police come into her door, you know, she was threatened with truancy, threatened with jail. This was back in, you know, in the state of South Carolina. But the fact of the matter is, we're looking at terrible government overreach right now. People are afraid for lots of different reasons. And the homeschoolers have already been here. <laughs> Like, you know, we, now I kind of think we fought the law and the, you know, we won. The law didn't win. We (laughs) won. We won. And I think that was the beginning, really. I mean, because of your decision to homeschool five in a row, which is the award-winning curriculum that Jane authored and has served hundreds of thousands of, of children over the years, it was born out of that. And God has birthed a lot of things out of the homeschool community. So when I talk to people who are afraid right now, especially, you know, brand new people. I I look at the, you know, you were really a pioneer. You and Jane were very much pioneers in the homeschool movement. I was at the tail end of the pioneering sort of spirit that the homeschoolers were bringing into it. These guys are not pioneers. They're refugees. They're not running to something. They're running from something. So what's the best encouragement that you can offer? There are a lot of people listening to this right now who this is really their first full week of homeschooling. And they're scared and they're wondering if this grand experiment is going to work. And maybe their kids are saying, Mom, I miss my friends. Put me back in school. What kind of encouragement can you offer the mom who's sitting at home right now, scratching her head going, I wonder if I made the right decision? Well, I think every mom wonders about that during those first few weeks. But, you know, over the years, I've talked to thousands and thousands of homeschoolers just like you have. And every one of them has the same testimony. They basically say, I, you know, this was... I thought I was going to be like the first man in space, but it turned out that in the end, this industry is so well developed and there are so many resources and activities and social gatherings for homeschool kids that now I look back and I wonder why I didn't do it from the very beginning. It just seems the most obvious and natural thing in the world to do. And we have lots and lots of of track record, lots of proof, even by the federal government itself, that homeschool kids Zoom academically. Uh, but more than that, they Zoom socially. I saw a study a few years ago uh, of a private college. I think it was in the Carolinas. I can't remember. <clears throat> but they had about 3,000 students. And at that time, uh, there were 90 of those students that had been homeschooled. I'm sure every college and university is a whole lot more than 3% today. But back then, there was 3% of the student body had been homeschooled. But of the elected positions of student leadership on the campus, Uh, you know, senior class president, uh, student advisor to the faculty, student advisor to the to the provost and so forth and so on. Eleven of those 12 uh, elected positions were homeschool graduates. So in other words, not only um, did the uh, professors and the teachers realize and recognize the excellence, the academic excellence, but but their peers, fellow students, recognize these are forward-thinking young men and women. They're not in, they're not intimidated by authority. They're they're critical thinkers. They speak well. They think on their feet, and we want them to represent our interests to this administration during our college years. Wow, 
So, and, and really, we see that across the board, right? We know that colleges are looking, actively looking for homeschooled kids because they come out with a different way of, of looking at things, and they're wildly successful uh, as entrepreneurs. Lots and lots of homeschoolers uh, end up being entrepreneurs. And I really believe, you know, years ago, Chris Clicka said to me, you know, one of the founders of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association said to me, I really think homeschoolers, you know, the, the nation is going to hit a, a tipping point. And we're there now. You and I talk about this almost every day. He goes, right. I think the homeschooled kids whose parents have actually taught them the history of this country and they understand the value of hard work and they're motivated thinkers. I think these guys are going to be responsible for saving this country. And I think we're starting to see that right now. Yeah, you're exactly you're exactly right, Heidi. We we have reached the tipping point, and um, whether you've been involved in education professionally or home education, uh, whether you've ever given it even any critical thought, I think all of us realize we sense in our gut that something has changed, and America in 2021 is not the America of even five years ago. And homeschooling, fortunately, traditional classrooms, which are frankly, a, a relatively new phenomenon in education. I mean, for thousands of years, there wasn't any such thing as public education. Every, every student learned at home at the, at the knees of their parents. Um, but, but this new idea of public education's job, uh, as it turns out in recent years, is to make sure that we don't produce any critical thinkers. We need people who think alike, look alike, act alike, dress alike, uh, and are properly indoctrinated to the government's view of how things should progress. You know, I laugh when people talk about, you know, what, how will my child get socialized if they're not in a classroom? I mean, the last person I would want my seventh grade daughter uh, socializing with to get all of her cues about how to live her life, how to dress, what music to listen to, is 25 other seventh graders. Right. I mean, that's like an alcoholic going to the bartender for uh, alcohol counseling. So homeschoolers are emerging as they have over the last 40 years, just the opposite, not indoctrinated, not trained in fa to, to, to group think. In instead, they're trained to think critically, to fall in love with learning, to learn to manipulate data and resources, to look at data and, and draw conclusions that are logical rather than emotional. And it's it's just in time frankly it's just in the nick mm -hmm. of time that homeschooling has reached mainstream status because mm -hmm. this nation is hurting and what we need more than ever before is critical thinkers entrepreneurs people who can think outside the box and aren't haven't been indoctrinated into groupthink mm, it's so good i'm going to throw some questions out at you uh, from listeners from around the country. And I think this is kind of a, just a fun, a fun way to do it. The first one comes from a listener in Georgia and she says, Heidi, I really would like to know how can I foster the strengths and talents in my children when they're all so different? What say you, Steve? <laughs> I say homeschool friend. That's the, uh, <laughs> one of the greatest benefits of homeschooling. Um, like I was just saying, a classroom uh, turns out cookie cutter children who all think alike, act alike, uh, and process information in virtually the same way. I mean, that is, in fact, the goal of public education these days. But the beauty of homeschooling is that the luxury that you're given in homeschooling is the ability to work with children one-on-one -on -one, uh, throughout not just Monday morning of the first week of homeschooling, but over the next 10 years, 13 years, however long you homeschool, 
And it's it's that freedom that gives us a chance to let children discover their gifts and help us nurture those gifts, their learning styles, and help us strengthen those learning styles, and frankly, their weaknesses, and help them learn to compensate for those weaknesses, because no two of us are the same, and one size never fits all, despite what classroom, public education classrooms would have you believe. Yeah. They would say that a cookie cutter, we're all, we're all reading chapter 38 in our history book this week, because frankly, that's what's next. That's what the editor put right after chapter 37. But tutorial education, having one educator to, to a handful of students is so inherently efficient that even if a parent's not particularly gifted at teaching, their kids are going to zoom academically. And more importantly, they're going to discover who they are and how they best learn. And mm -hmm. so it's out of that freedom that, that young leaders are born every day through the homeschool movement. Yeah. And I remember, you know, when I was relatively new at homeschool, I've been at it for, I don't know, five or six or seven years when I met you, I think for the first time, you and Jane, right. and you, you guys taught me something. I ended up giving it a little bit of a different, you know, name. I always tell parents, you know, look for the bend, that unique bend that is in your child. And then your job as a parent is to fold the child along that bend. So for example, you guys saw something in Sierra years ago, what was she like, you know, 10 years old or something and or 12 and we lived in a little house in in salmon creek and the, the we had a snow which is unusual for the northwest and some of the lights on our christmas light list or string had fallen into the snow well sierra went out there with a little portable not portable but a disposable camera that we had given her for christmas and she started taking pictures of that light bulb in the most unique and creative way like she's getting right down on on the ground level with it and scooping the snow away from in front of it and i remember developing those and showing them to you and your you and jane your first response was i wonder if this is part of her natural skill set and so what you guys did was you ended up getting her a course in photography from was it the new york school of photography or something that was a um you know, like a, a distance learning class, but it really started something in her. She's a graphic, what she's, you know, 28 years old now. And guess what? She's a graphic designer. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> we saw that in Sierra and, and she became a great photographer and, and I still to this day enjoy looking at her photography, but that, that uh, visual sense morphed into more graphic arts and designs. And so she's been working at that professionally now for a number of years. But that's one of our jobs as parents is, as you described it, to look for the bend in our children. If you, you know, we, we, we can't predict exactly where our children are going to end up. But if you have a seven-year-old son who runs around in his underwear most of the time and much prefers to be in the great outdoors and can't sit still for more than two minutes, I can't tell you for sure what he's going to do. But my guess is that he probably won't be an accountant. CPA <laughs> is not in his future. He might be a forest ranger. He might be in the U.S. Armed Forces. He might be, uh, you know, a, a lineman. There's a lot of a lot of job possibilities. But trying to fit him into a standard mold and teaching him best accounting practices is probably not going to to uh, work out well. And one of our daughters was always dreaming, always drawing, always more actually more writing, constantly writing and acting things out. And but she couldn't tell she couldn't add two numbers in her head if they were more than two digits long. And so we didn't know for sure what she'd do, but we were fairly confident that she was not called, you know, to be an accountant. She was not going to be working with numbers. She'd probably be working with language. 
Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's exactly how it turned out. So classroom teachers don't have time to do that. One of the studies that I saw asked classroom teachers, both public and private, from grades K through 12, how much time on average do you spend with each of your individual students making sure they understand the information and answering any questions they might have? Then the national average was about 23 or 24 seconds per day. And so for a kindergartner, if you had a classroom with only 20 kindergartners, it's probably more than that. It might be two or three minutes per child. And if you're a high school teacher and you teach seven classes of 35 kids each, so you have 250 students, it's it's just a fraction maybe of one second or two seconds per day with each of your 250 students. So when you spend two, three, four hours a day with your student, you've already spent, after you've been homeschooling for two weeks, you've already spent more time one-on-one with them than they would have gotten in the next year in a public school classroom. And it's that leveraging of your time and the interaction and working with students individually that allows us to find those bins and encourage them to uh, step out and discover God's gift in their life, which often turns out to be God's calling in their life. Yeah, it's so true. And as you, as our kids have gotten older and we've watched them kind of, you know, you can start to see the things that they did when they were little start to make sense. And I'm always telling parents, look for the thing. It's often the thing that drives you crazy about that child that, that, um, is their, one of their greatest strengths. And we've seen this over and over in the kid, instead of, instead of going, man, that really drives me crazy. Like, I, you know, the best example I can think of is just myself. I was a, a talker surprise when I was in school. I'm shocked. And, uh, <laughs> and my, my, uh, my first grade teacher, you know, they, she'd send home these, these written report cards once a quarter and be like, Heidi's a great kid. And I was almost a straight A student. She said, she talks too much. This happened to me, you know, she's passing notes or she's talking with a neighbor or whatever. No one ever said, you know, Heidi, you, you talk a lot. I wonder if you might be a teacher or I wonder if you're going to be a leader of some sort. And I wonder what would have happened in my life earlier if someone would have looked at that and seen it as possibly a leadership skill that was unique rather than something to be silenced. It needed to be um, honed and critiqued and uh, and used Refined. for good. And I think. Yeah, and re- thank you. That's the word. And refined. And I love that. Uh, I love that that we can see, you know, homeschooler parents have the time. You're exactly right to look at that in their kids. I saw something online. I'm going to link back to it uh, today in the show notes. For those of you guys who are looking for, this is really cool, Steve. I'll send you the link too. Um, I found this thing called Make a Strengths Chain, and you can do this with your kids. I would say, you know, all the way up, probably even through junior high. And it walks you through, it's like a like a paper chain. But on each one of the strips of paper that you cut out, you, um, they get to choose what their character strengths are. So you, they give you a template. The character strengths are the child gets to choose the ones that they say reflects who they are. I'm caring. I'm kind. I'm helpful at home and do my chores. I'm loyal. I'm resilient. I can work and play on my own. All the way to language. You know, I like talking to people, to math and logic. I can, I can count the number of items in a group, those kinds of things. And your child makes this, you know, you can either read them to your child or if they're reading, obviously they can do it themselves. But when you're done, you have this really cool list of strengths that the child has identified in themselves. And it's a really kind of a fun and very, very easy way to start looking at those strengths in your kids. So I'll link back to that in the show notes today. Next question comes from Angela in California. She said, Heidi and team, thank you for everything you're doing to stand up for God and country. I have a friend who's just starting out and she is a single mom. What encouragement can you give 
to the single parents out there that are stepping out in faith to homeschool their children? Well, while single parents have a steeper hill to climb, I don't think any of us would deny that. It's not an impossible hill to climb. And we've seen thousands and thousands of single parents successfully homeschool their children. It's, it requires flexibility. It requires sacrifice, which, by the way, all homeschooling requires sacrifice, regardless of your marital status. We can't do everything we'd like to do and effectively homeschool at the same time. But because homeschooling is that tutorial approach is so inherently efficient, it doesn't take, uh, you know, eight or nine hours a day. It's not like you have to put your child on the bus at, at 10 minutes till seven and they don't get home from the activity bus until 5.15 and then they have two hours of homework. That's not how homeschooling works. So the fact that you can, uh, you know, complete a, a practical homeschooling experience in early elementary grades in maybe 90 minutes to two and a half hours a day mm-hmm. and later in high school in maybe four hours a day means that it's possible with judicious use of your time for anyone to successfully homeschool. But, you know, you have to think creatively about your work environment, about the hours that you have available, and uh, uh, it's doable. It's absolutely yeah. doable. But I love that you said, you know, 90 minutes a day, especially when the kids are, are little. And it's so important because as public school parents, I mean, Savannah was in a public school for, for a couple of years. And you get into this mindset, well, the bus comes to pick them up at 7.15 and they drop them off at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So, therefore, I have to homeschool for all that time. No, you don't. You no, know, you don't. You know, you don't. And, and uh, working moms, I mean, I know lots of single moms who over the years have homeschooled successfully. And you're right, it takes uh, commitment, it takes perseverance. But I don't know very many parents that would say, well, that's just, they're the things, there are just things I won't do for my child. And where there's a will, there's a way. And we've said this many, many times, but I, I love that you pointed out, you know, high school, you're looking at four hours a day. Uh, the younger kids, you're looking at 90 minutes to maybe uh, two and a half hours a day if you've got like a sixth grader or a seventh grader, and you can grow right along with your child. And so I love that. I should probably at some point get a, a single mom on the show. Maybe we can talk more practicality, but I want people to know it's doable. All right. Last question I'm going to throw at you. Martha from Minnesota. Uh, Heidi, I'm a mother of three kids. My oldest is going to be in first grade this coming fall. She's always telling me that she wants to go to school. All of her cousins go to school, and I think she feels left out. What ideas do you have on how I can get her excited about staying home? I live in rural Minnesota, so there are not homeschool resource centers or anything like that near us. One of my favorite stories about that was a friend who was actually on our staff uh, many, year, many, many years ago, and she had dreamed of homeschooling. And when her daughter turned five, she said, this is going to be so exciting, sweetheart. You're going to get to homeschool this year and mommy will be your teacher and we're going to have a wonderful time. And her daughter burst into tears <laughs> and, and just was inconsolable. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And the girl was verging on hysterics. And finally, she thought enough to ask her, why, honey, why don't you want to homeschool? And she said, because at school, they get to eat their lunches on trays. So my friend went to the dollar store and bought a lunch tray and put her lunch on it every day. And she was a happy clam and graduated, you know, 12 years later successfully and went on to college. But their their understanding is narrow at best. Um, they're looking for fun. I mean, what child in reality, loves to sit in the class 
all day long. No, they love to visit with their friends on the playground at recess and, yep. you know, a few things, but most of the time they don't care for it. So the promise of being able to uh, do school in your pajamas, the promise of being able to, uh, you know, have a four week Christmas break, the promise of being able to take trips during the school year when your your peers and friends are stuck in a classroom, the whole family can go to to wherever and take a week's vacation and you can take your studies along with you if you want, or just suspend them until you get back. Those are things that there's so many opportunities. And I know that for my kids and my grandkids, they were able to pursue outside interests, which, which were extraordinary. What, you know, one of them right now, one of my grandchildren is uh, just missed the cut for the U S Olympic trials um, in swimming by five one hundredths of a second, mm. but she'll have another go at it in three years when the Summer Olympics come back around again. But she's been able to pursue swimming to a level of excellence. I've had one of my children pursued volleyball and was able to advance and play in the national championship game when she was 18 years old. Um, and, you know, now is her daughter is playing volleyball and all of those kinds of things because that was one of the bins on which uh, the Lord placed her and she had the time to pursue. Another one took uh, pursued cello to a high level. Another one began writing. In fact, I know a number of homeschool kids who are successful writers. We have uh, one in our family, but I know Jane communicates regularly with a girl that we've known since she was five years old. And she's written, I don't know, 20 or 25 novels now and is a successful author. But all of that came about because she wasn't sitting in a classroom for seven and a half hours a day and then doing two hours of mindless homework every night. She had time to pursue her gifts and her passions. And when a child's six, they may not fully understand that. And you may have to do a little bit of, of salesmanship. But as time goes on and they say, hey, you know what? I've had a chance to, to raise my 4-H project rabbits or my, you know, my calf or has been able to pursue writing or try my hand at movie making or whatever it is that my public school friends don't have time to do it becomes a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy of success. And they begin to, to grow uh, wildly in that kind of a creative environment. Yeah, and it's so important. And parents, once you, once you start to realize, oh my goodness, this is what my child likes, and you begin to open those doors of opportunity that they would not otherwise have access to, it's a precious gift and there's not another way to get it. So I think it's thrilling. You mentioned a minute ago about you know kids revealing their giftedness. One of my favorite stories, uh, and I can't remember who tells it now. It's another uh, popular homeschool speaker that I heard her tell the story some years ago, and I wish I could give her credit for it, but I don't remember. But she said, when my son was two, he discovered he was couldn't sleep and got out of his little bed and was looking out the window and discovered that it that about four thirty or five o'clock in the morning, a truck drove by and threw this round paper log in our driveway. So he figured out how to unlock the front door, scrambled out in the driveway, picked it up, brought it in, and it was a newspaper. And he began looking at it. And he was fascinated by that newspaper, turning the pages, looking at the photographs and illustrations and cartoons in the newspaper. And she said it became this constant, relentless habit. <clears throat> and when he became old enough to start schooling, he was still obsessed with that newspaper every day. And it became a battle. And I had to agree to let him have the first 30 minutes of every day to look at his newspaper then we would do school and after school, he could look at this silly newspaper again. She said, that was the bane of my existence. I fought that tooth and nail for year after year after year. She said, you know what he does now? 
I said, no. She said, he's the editor of one of the largest newspapers in New England, and his goal is to become the uh, editor of the New York Times. She said, it turns out I was fighting against his calling and destiny every day all those years. And I love that kids often discover that. Jane says she found her old uh, Girl Scout sash recently. And she looked at it and she just kind of scratched her head. And she said, you know, everything, every merit badge that I chose to pursue when I was seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old are the same things I love today. Reading, books, nature, trees, whatever. So it's fun that kids can, um, kids can learn and, and get in touch with their strengths early on, like we've been talking about. I love that. Yeah, I do too. And, and over the years, you know, I think even the most hesitant parents that walk into it, they walk into it hesitantly, like I did, as you well know. Sure. Like we did. Uh, Yeah. We all did. Yeah. And it, and it really is, as it turns out, I always tell people one of the very best things we ever did with, uh, with our lives and our family was take the opportunity and homeschool our children. And uh, it just was, it's a wonderful adventure. And I think we're going to, I think, you know, a year from now, Steve, we're going to start hearing from people who are like, I didn't think I could do it, but guess what? God did it. Yeah, I promise you that we will hear that. And the phrase that I've heard you use so many times in the past is it was the best, hardest thing you ever did. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, nothing that's worth doing is uh, rarely easy and it's worth a sacrifice. And, you know, I look back on my life, I've been an investment manager. Uh, I've been an author, I've been a public speaker, I've pastored in a church, done a variety of things that perhaps other people might aspire to, to do if they had the opportunity. But now, as an old man of 71, I look back on my life and the thing that was most impactful, the thing that I'm most proud of, the thing that I'm most grateful for, was the chance that I had an opportunity to help shape my daughter's education. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Steve, you are a national treasure and a treasured friend of mine. And I thank you for coming on and answering these questions from listeners. I think this is great. They need the encouragement. Uh, This is a a very uh, sad and hard time in our country. And it's a very good time for families to come together to remember what is so precious about family and what is so powerful about education. And there's no better place to bring that stuff together than in homeschooling. So thank you very much. Where can people find you guys online? Because we didn't even talk about Five in a Row, but I'd love you guys to give give a shout out for it. Yeah, Five in a Row is a curriculum that my wife uh, created. We've been used by about 600,000 children over the last nearly 30 years in publication. Uh, Our website is fiveinarow.com, www.f-i-v-e-i-n-a-r-o-w, all spelled out, .com. And we work with children from preschool up through um, sixth or seventh grade. We don't do a a high school curriculum, but it's a fun approach to learning. And it's one that's well proven and ironically has been adopted by a number of professional classroom teachers uh, and teachers colleges and universities to teach teachers how they ought to teach given the opportunity to work with children. So yeah, they can find us there on the web. I love it. Fiveinarow.com, and I will link back to that in the show notes today. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. It's always a joy to have you here. Always fun to be with you, Heidi. Thanks so much. You're sure welcome. For more information on Five in a Row and uh, the wonderful curriculum that Jane Lambert has written, I will link back to in the show notes today. As for the rest of you, you guys can do this thing. You were literally born for it. Have a great day, and I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.